Writer Media Group original. You're listening to Your Day Brighter, the podcast. Real reasons to have hope in this world. Hi, I'm your host, Tracy Tiernan. Before I jump into the podcast, I've got to thank our sponsors, J29 Solutions. J29, they are innovators with the right solutions for your business and a company that is committed to giving back to the community. And we are so proud to have their partnership. To connect with them, go to j29inc.com. You're listening to Your Day Brighter, the podcast, real reasons to have hope in this world. My name is Tracy Tiernan, and I am the host of Your Day Brighter. I love to have conversations with uh, people who have just wisdom to share, people who are doing great things in the world, people who have overcome incredible challenges. I love to hear people's stories, and sometimes I love to just share a message right from my heart. And so that's what today is all about. It's, it's just me talking to you and I'm going to share with you some some personal stuff and uh, and some things that God has been working on me about because I've, I've discovered that when God is working on me about something specific it's usually not just me I'm, I'm in good company there are a lot of other people that can relate and so if you can relate to having issues with a negative thought life this message is for you and I really hope it'll encourage you. Thank you so much for listening. Let's jump in a conversation with me. <laughs> me and you hanging out. Here we go. So I don't think I'm overselling this today, but what I want to share with you today is really important. It's about something that could be the most transforming thing that you ever do in your own spiritual life. Are you ready for that? <laughs> it's to be honest with yourself. Has God ever spoken to you through a dream or a vision? You know, he does that. It's all over the Bible. I mean, Abraham, Jacob, Job, Joseph, Pharaoh, Daniel, Ezekiel, Mary, Joseph, Paul, John. <laughs> it feels funny to add my name to the list, but... I believe God is very much alive and working today. And as always, he still speaks to people. And I'm dependent on his word and his spirit to guide me in my real life, my little life with my little issues and my flaws and my weaknesses. God cares about these things and he cares about me. And God cares about you too. Have you heard him speak to you? You know, he spoke to me through a dream a few years ago. It was a real turning point for me. It's a moment that... Gosh, I'm still processing it, really. Um, and I want to read to you from my journal. I mean, I'm just going to put myself out there and share a little bit from my journal at that time. And um, I had just woken up on a Saturday morning and I had to write it down. So I, I sat in my bed and I got it out on paper and I wrote out these words. I had a dream last night that I was friends with a tiger. The only problem it was a tiger that could not be trusted. It was purring and friendly one moment, and then all of a sudden the tiger would turn on me and swipe at me with her claws. She got me in the face a few times with her sharp nails and ripped gashes in my cheek and my arm, and then she seemed pacified, and she'd go back to being my buddy. And she was the only friend I had in my dream. <laughs> so instead of ditching her, because she was so unfaithful and cruel and inconsistent, I worked harder to keep her happy. Basically, I would just do whatever she wanted, being compliant, 
passive and just serving her so that she wouldn't turn on me and swipe at me with her claws. When I woke up, I sat in bed and I wondered, why would I put up with a friend like that? And almost immediately, I felt like the Lord was speaking to my heart and he said, Tracy, the tiger is you. You're lashing out at yourself. You are a terrible friend to you. Well, I was undone. I I wanted to understand this message that God was giving me through this dream. I wanted to really understand. And so I looked up tigers in the Bible (laughs) and I found lions, not tigers. But I did find in the Wycliffe translation where tiger was used, and this is from Job chapter four, verses 11 through 13, the tiger perishes for lack of prey and the cubs of the lioness are scattered. A word was secretly brought to me. My ears caught whisper of it amid disquieting dreams in the night when deep sleep falls on people. (laughs) Wow. Confirmation, huh? God was bringing me a word in a dream, something that was hidden. I have an enemy on the outside that is trying to destroy me. We all do. It's Satan. But there's also an enemy on the inside of me. And sometimes the voice of Satan and the voice of Tracy, they kind of sound alike and they merge together. Sometimes I am my own obstacle to my best life. Sometimes I am what's hindering me. I have a tiger in me. Do you have a tiger in you? Here's a little more from my journal. The tiger is a predator. The part of you that hates you, the part of you that has believed every malicious word spoken against you, every evil deed imposed upon you, the part of you that's rising up in this season of your life to keep you controlled, compliant, fearful, and never free. The tiger makes you suppress any authentic feelings that you have and tells you to just keep on pleasing and appeasing others. The tiger has a vivid memory of painful events in your life that overshadow redemptive ones. The tiger is preying on your confidence, your identity, your purpose, your joy. The tiger is most dangerous because you think of her as a friend, but she's no friend to you. She has so turned the tables on you. She's taming you instead of the other way around. Why do you despise yourself when I love you so? It's hard to read that out loud (laughs) because I feel it deeply even after all these years. I wonder how many of us, if we're honest, have the most cruel thoughts about ourselves running like a tape in our heads constantly, day after day. And I say tape because this is old stuff that you've been dealing with. It takes an act of your will to press stop on that tape player. But my finger lands on the rewind button a lot. I wonder how many of us would want our thoughts unedited, put up on a screen here (laughs) for everyone to see. Anyone want to volunteer for that? Probably not, right? Because most likely all of us have a thought life that we are managing rather than transforming. A thought life that we're just trying to keep under control to keep those thoughts from becoming words that destroy relationships, pushing down the things that we really think and dare not speak out loud. And while we may feel some guilt over the thoughts that we think about others, we don't feel the same guilt about the hateful thoughts that we have about ourselves. So there in my bed, writing all of this down in my journal, I felt pinned by the truth. I couldn't deny. God was showing me something that he wants me to deal with. And I've been dealing with it. I mean, this this dream that I had that's been so transforming, 
This was a few years ago. I want to say like maybe three, four years ago at the most. I want to encourage you listening to me share about it now. Let God deal with you. Let him deal with it with you however he wishes. You might think, well, self-loathing is not my problem. I'm sexy and I know it. I love me. (laughs) And I'll say, good for you if that's how God sees you. But this is a tiger that tells you lies. It's a tiger that does not agree with what God says about you, negative or positive. Only you and God can work on it together because only you and God know what's really going on in your thoughts. And here's the thing. What's really going on in your thoughts will manifest itself in your life. It will. All right, back to my journal. The Lord had me go to John chapter 5, and uh, it's the healing at the pool in Bethesda. Maybe you're familiar with it. I am going to read it to you. Um, But before I read it to you, I just want to give you a little bit of background and, and ask you to try to imagine the scene, okay? The pool in Bethesda, it has been excavated, and it's large. It's 315 feet long. It's got a central partition dividing it into two sections. And on the partition in the four sides, there are five colonnades or porches, covered areas. And when we read the verses in just a moment, you'll notice that verse four is missing. Actually, it's half of verse three and verse four that are missing in the text, but may be included in a footnote in your Bible like it is in mine, indicating that these verses don't appear in the earliest Greek manuscripts. Most likely, this part of the text was added by a scribe to help us understand why the sick people gathered about the pool and how they reacted when the water was stirred up. There was this popular tradition that was held by people of that day that the stirring up of the water was caused by an angel of the Lord and that whoever should be the first sick person to go down into the pool after the water was stirred up was healed from whatever disease that they had. So this was a superstition, not truth, but the people bought it. And hundreds of them were there. Aren't you glad that God doesn't heal on a first-come, first-served kind of basis? I mean, can you imagine? Aren't you glad that God is not so cruel as to lure us into a situation with false hope where our healing just depends on luck? That's not what he's like. And so just imagine how sad the scene around this pool with all of those people who believe that's what God is like. Imagine what what they felt like. Imagine how sad they are. And they're just laying around. All kinds of sick people, including those with undiagnosed diseases, those with fever who are just trying to stay out of the blazing sun, people who are blind. And they're just huddling close up to the edge of the pool, hoping somebody's going to lead them in when the water's quivered. You've got people there whose limbs are withered. You've got lame people, paralyzed people who couldn't move their legs and couldn't make it to the pool on their own. And their only hope to reach the water, maybe they could crawl over others even weaker than themselves. What a mess of brokenness. What a mess of humanity. Heartbreaking, really. Imagine smelling the stench and seeing the dirt and the filth and sensing the hopelessness of the old and the young. This pool was like ground zero of suffering. And here's Jesus, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Can you imagine staying in his palace and sending some of his minions to go check it out? (laughs) No, (laughs) Jesus, he didn't do that. He had an appointment there at that place. Jesus goes to places where none of us want to go, out there in the world and in here in our hearts. 
So this is what it says in John chapter 5. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. And now there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Verse 3, here a number, excuse me, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Verse 7, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred. While I'm trying to get in, somebody else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. The Lord forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. And so they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Do you want to get well? Are you kidding me? (laughs) This man was lame, an invalid, as the Bible says, for 38 years. Some believe that this meant the man was an invalid his whole life, but we don't know for sure. All I know is that 38 years is a long time to bear such a suffering. Do you want to get well? That question's outrageous to me. Do you want to get well? Is not a question any of us would ask a sick person, is it? No, never, because the implied obvious answer is yes. Don't we all want to get well when we're sick? And yet Jesus asks, do you want to get well? That question just burns through me. Do you want to get well? And so if I were writing the story, right, if it were me (laughs) telling the tale, the invalid would reply, why? What a strange question to ask Jesus. Of course, I want to get well. You see my sickness and my suffering. I want to get well. Will you please heal me or help me into the pool? That seems like a natural response to this strange question, but the invalid doesn't respond like that. In fact, he doesn't answer the question at all. Instead, he gives a list of reasons, maybe excuses or complaints as to why he can't be healed. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Jesus's question, do you want to get well, could almost seem like a cruel question to ask a sick person. Imagine this man's life and what it's been like, but Jesus is never cruel. So this question is coming from Jesus, and it's got to be about something different. Maybe it's about being honest, personal honesty. Do you know the truth about you? Do you understand why you do the things that you do? We all do things because of bad thinking, but we don't always connect the dots, you know? Like the Apostle Paul wrote about in Romans 7, I do not understand why I do the things I do. The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I hate, these things I do. Jesus knows the answer to the question, do you want to get well? He wants us to know the answer. Imagine that question coming to you today. Do you want to get well? One word in the Greek that was used here is this word thelo. And it's not, do you desire to get well, but rather, are you earnest? Do you want to get well, really? 
Jesus's words are like an arrow right to the heart of the matter. He's appealing to the energy of this man's will. Do you care anymore? Do you really want to be better or are you comfortable in your infirmity? That's the question I think that he asks all of us. Because the truth is, many of us have become comfortable with our sickness, physical and spiritual. They kind of bleed together after a while. And we can be Oh, man, we can be so worn down that we become apathetic about our own healing and we give up and we give in. Many of us have become quite attached to our sickness and our sin. Many of us are wanting a little of Jesus. We want to be a part of the church. We want to worship. We want to be a part of uh, the community, maybe take a Bible study or two. We want to look good on the outside, but when it comes to really letting him do his healing work in our inner lives. We've pushed him away and we don't even know it. We want him around, but there are some parts of us that we don't want him around. (laughs) We've said, hands off, Jesus. We may be better than we were, but we aren't well. We aren't whole, not the way that he may want us to be. Because if we were, We'd volunteer to have our thoughts put up on that screen, right? (laughs) Something's still broken. But if we're honest, we want to manage it on our own. We're terrified that if we really let Jesus get in there, we're going to completely unravel and we'll have no control. What would make a sick person not want to get well? Well, back in Jesus's day, and even in some places today, being a paralytic was a source of income. A man who was sick and then healed, he could actually lose his living. For some invalids, for for some of the sick, their desperate situation was what they used to make money, and they didn't know any other way. And as this crippled man laid by the pool in Bethesda, he was surrounded by misery and sorrow. But, oh, if he looked out beyond those shaded porches, he could see people out in the sun doing stuff, working, and he knew that if he were healed, he'd have some responsibility. There'd be some things required of him. Perhaps he never had that before. Perhaps he wouldn't be able to handle it. If he were healed, he wouldn't have this mat to cling to as his reason for never being more than he is right now. And so the question the Lord asked addresses the deepest part of him. Do you really want to be healed? Jesus wants to heal what's most important. We always think it's the physical, right? Because we're flesh and blood and physical suffering is just hard to bear. And he can heal that. But to get physical healing and not spiritual healing, that doesn't make a man well. Jesus wants more for us. He wanted more for this paralytic lying by the pool. This story unfolds in the most surprising way. Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And immediately the man was healed. He gets up, he gets his mat and he walks. This is a miracle, right? I mean, I would be expecting this incredible celebration, this commotion, because this healed man is just, he's he's walking around. I would imagine him praising God loudly and letting everybody know what Jesus had just done. But at least the account in the scriptures doesn't tell us that that's what happens. We don't have evidence that he thanks Jesus. He doesn't even know that it was Jesus who healed him. He seems more concerned about not getting in trouble with the Pharisees for carrying his mat on the Sabbath. And then later, Jesus finds him in the temple and says, something else that's just outrageous to him. He says, stop sinning or something worse might happen to you. Oh, (laughs) Jesus pursued this man all the way to the temple again to give him another message. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Like dying in your sin 
and being separated from God forever. That would be worse. Understand there's no correlation to physical sickness being the result of sin as a principle in Scripture. It's not there. In fact, there are stories that specifically indicate somebody's illness had nothing to do with the sin of that sick person or their family, but that God's glory would be revealed. However, in this case, Jesus does seem to be implying that this man's sin had something to do with his illness. He says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. This man was healed physically, but not spiritually. He was better but not whole. And he was in church. Jesus found him in the temple. We can be in church, taking it all in and still pushing Jesus away. We could be in church looking pretty good on the outside, but on the inside, we've got a battle raging. We can be in church and still engaging in patterns of sin. We can be in church and still missing out on the best thing, the transforming work of Jesus in our lives. He's always after our hearts, the innermost part of us. He wants to heal our spiritual sickness, and he wants to take us from death to life. I love the story in John chapter 11, when Jesus got word that his friend Lazarus was sick, he purposefully delayed in going to him, purposefully. And what happened? Lazarus died. And Lazarus's sisters, Jesus's dear friends, Martha and Mary, they're devastated. Lord, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus wept, feeling their sorrow. They couldn't understand why he would let their brother die. But Jesus, he didn't want to just heal a sick man. He wanted to raise a dead man. He always does. Mm, God has so much more for us than we settle for, you know? Hey, so I'm going to jump in and uh, interrupt my own message here (laughs) because I want to tell you about some folks that make it possible for us to do this podcast, Your Day Brighter. I am so excited to tell you about J29 Solutions, our sponsor. This amazing company can do so many things to help you in your business. They're innovators with leading experts in technology and processes. They can help with everything from staffing to data analysis, Medicare claims, health and human services. The thing that impresses me the most, though, about J29, it's their commitment to their people and their community, giving back to the community. This is what drives Tracy Mills in this business that she founded. It's giving hope to people by giving back. She tithes J29's earnings back to nonprofits that align with her company's values each month. Strengthening the community is a pillar of J29 Solutions. And Tracy is passionate about inspiring her employees to do great things in the world and give back. I just love that. We're so honored and proud to have J29 Solutions, our sponsors for Your Day Brighter. Now, they're putting a challenge out there to other businesses. Join them. Be a part of giving back to your community, too. We were created to make a difference. To connect with Tracy Mills and J29 Solutions, go to j29inc.com. So we think the physical healing is the most amazing thing that we could ask God for, but he wants to heal the whole person. He wants to transform all of us. So let me throw this question out to you. Can you imagine what it would look like if Jesus healed your thoughts? Your thoughts are constantly running like a river deep within you. And if that river is full of junk, you know, lies, death, It will affect your life. The way that you think will determine your behavior, even if you think that no one knows what's really going on in there, but you and God. Do you ever find yourself defensive? Do you ever feel self-protective or 
easily angered, offended, avoiding conflict? Do you ever have a hard time receiving criticism or feedback? Do you have a crippling fear of failure? Does failure send you into an emotional tailspin? Do you feel jealous of other people's successes and happiness? Here's one. Do you find yourself lying to make yourself look better? These are symptoms that your tiger is on the prowl. Do you self-sabotage? Do you know what you need to do to love yourself well and you just don't do it? (laughs) Have you, like me at times, so elevated the opinions of other people that you don't trust your own voice and you martyr yourself daily just to keep everybody happy? I was teaching uh, at a retreat a number of years ago, and um, this was one of my messages that I was wanting to, to talk about. And I was still developing it, and I was a little nervous about sharing such personal stuff and reading from my journal and all of that. But I knew that I had to because really this message is about obedience for me. God wouldn't let me not share what I was showing me. And so I titled the message, The Enemy Within, because as I mentioned to you earlier in the podcast, I have a tiger this secret thought life that is self-loathing and destructive. And while I have much success in overcoming this mental battle over the years, I have, it's still going on at times, but you'd not necessarily know it. I thought this battle was between me and the Lord and it had nothing to do with what he was doing in my life because, you know, I'm growing in him. I, I can feel very close to him at times. I have good relationships with people in my life. I love my life. I worship God. So what does my thought life, you know, have to do with anything? As long as I'm just kind of keeping it under wraps, isn't it okay that it's not always okay? I thought it was just something that we all just have to manage and ignore as much as possible. (laughs) As long as what we're speaking out loud is the truth, right? See, many of us can speak what we're supposed to, to be a good Christian. We know what we're supposed to say, and we should keep saying it. But God doesn't want to just heal our bodies. He doesn't want to just heal our mouths. (laughs) He wants to heal our thoughts. Jesus wants more for us than to just speak the truth. He wants us to believe it. Sooner or later, what's really going on in there is going to manifest itself out in the world. And it is holding us back from the abundant, glorious life that Jesus came to give us. So there I was, given this message at this retreat. And guess what happened? It was so crazy. My body broke out into these large, red and raised, painful hives, which I learned later were actually lesions. This has never happened to me in my life. It started on a Friday. And by the time I got into my third speaking session on Saturday night, I was covered. My arms, my neck, my back, and yes, my face. (laughs) And it was exhilarating. There came a point when I could see the way that people were looking at me in that room with so much concern and asking me if I was all right. And I got a little bit amped up and expectant because here I am teaching about the enemy within, you know, this deep place within us that's like a poison to our spiritual life and how it will manifest itself on the outside if we don't let God heal it. And apparently he was allowing me to be a living example (laughs) something was all up in my bloodstream that was toxic to me. And now we can all see it like big hives all over my face. Yay. This really happened. (laughs) So what is your tiger telling you? You know, for some, there's been this diagnosis of some kind in your past, maybe panic or depression or anxiety disorder, OCD, ADD, diabetes, cancer, 
fibromyalgia, PTSD, you name it, very real and devastating illnesses. And the diagnosis may be spot on, but if you have allowed that diagnosis to be your excuse to not be transformed, you may be missing out on what Jesus is offering you. If everything that happens in your life goes through that filter of what somebody said is wrong with you, you may find it hard to hear Jesus's voice speaking life to you right now. Accurate diagnosis can be life-saving. We thank God for doctors. We thank God for medicine. But this isn't about them. This is about you. When that diagnosis becomes your identity and your reason to give up, the diagnosis is now what is most toxic in your life, whatever your infirmity, mental, emotional, physical, we all have them. Jesus is greater than them all. And he invites us to participate in getting well. And I love how he pursues this paralytic. He came after him first at the pool and then again later at the temple. Our God pursues us. He wants to give us life, but we've got a part to play. We've got to be open to him. We've got to want the more of what he's offering. For some of us, we just need to take the medicine that we know will make us better take it. For others, we need to be honest and aware about what's really going on inside of us. There are things within us that need healing, physical and spiritual, like bitterness, unresolved hurt and unforgiveness, false beliefs that were spoken over us as children, lies that we embraced about our value and our worth, fears that God is not pleased with us and is about to abandon us. Who knows how these things got in there, but they're a part of our repertoire now, and they're our go-to thoughts, our default, and they are misleading us every day, hindering us every day. In my case, like a tiger, loose on the inside of me. This tiger in me that I'm battling, it's been there a long time deep down this belief that I'm unlovable, too much trouble, and I need to not ask for anything, not speak up, not demand respect, but just be sure to keep everybody happy because the worst thing in the world was if somebody was unhappy with me. I was always afraid of love being taken away from me, and so I did everything I could to hold on to it and to earn it. I believed that conflict with people I love was going to rip away the relationships in my life, and so I avoided conflict. I avoided addressing things for fear that they'd get mad or leave me, or they'd explain to me how the way I was seeing it was wrong, and of course it would be, and then I would apologize. And I didn't trust my feelings about things. I wouldn't allow myself to be angry. Anger scared me. I don't do anger. I stuffed it. I stuffed it all. I had for years. I denied myself permission to feel hurt. I always turned it around into... What must I have done to cause this? And what can I do to make it better? I've been strangely comfortable by this pool in my infirmity. Yes, I'm saved by his grace. Yes, I belong to Jesus. And I've been hindered from receiving the so much more that he wants to give me because I've not allowed him to completely transform my mind. And as a follower of Jesus and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, I have the mind of Christ, but I sometimes push the mute button on his channel. You know, Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is the total transformation, and Jesus is all about it. Jesus is tender with us in our sickness, and he's aggressive at the same time, just like Jesus with the paralytic. He's requiring something of us, a letting go of all the ways that you've coped before, of all the ways that you've tried to control, you've tried to pacify yourself, of every hurt imposed upon you to let it go and to trust it in his hands. There are no victims in God's family. And if you've had stuff done to you, you won't find one more caring and tender than Jesus to help you. But you also won't find one more demanding that you don't stay a victim. That's not your destiny. 
as long as you hold on to those things that happen to you, as long as you make them the center of your life, your list of things done to you becomes your identity. And as long as you have that, the world will understand if you don't fully participate in life. The world will give you a pass from ever having to grow or be changed by Jesus because after all, look at what happened. Look at what happened to you. Jesus requires and demands change because he loves you so much and has more for you and because his truth is confrontational. He loves you just as you are, but way too much to leave you that way because he is transforming you into the image of his son. And that means the way you think, not just the way that you behave. So why did Jesus choose this man from among all the other disabled people that were gathered around the pool that day? It wasn't his faith. I mean, he didn't even know it was Jesus who healed him. He didn't even seem to express gratitude. It's got to be grace, right? It's got to be God's sovereign grace. This was the time and the place and the way that he was going to heal this man. And the length of his illness didn't hinder Jesus from wanting to heal him. Although sometimes the length of our condition hinders us from coming to Jesus. The longer we live in a sick or sinful condition, the more used to it we become, the more afraid we may be to part with it. At least we know what this feels like, right? I'm used to this and I think I can manage it a little bit longer. We can't imagine that God really wants to heal us. We give up hope that it will change and we know we don't deserve it to. But that's just who he is. Don't you just love who he is? He's not the God who works by lottery, who makes sick people try to crawl into a pool at just the right time. God doesn't need stirring pools to work in our lives. We don't need crosses around our necks or on our walls. We don't need a figurine on the car dashboard or oil on our heads. Sometimes God just wants us to ask for healing, just like the royal official did. In John chapter 4, you know that story? (laughs) Sometimes he asks for faith before he acts. Sometimes he asks us to do our part and work with him by finally getting serious about our health. Sometimes he delivers us in an instant from physical, emotional, and spiritual sickness. God does not need our help, our permission, or even our faith when he chooses to work healing in our lives. But he invites us and he pursues us with an offer of so much more than we've settled for. So can you hear him asking you the question, do you want to get well? Do you want the transformation that comes from the inside out, not just the outside in? For some of us, we need to say yes to Jesus's question and we need to kill the tiger. That verse that God showed me in Job, the tiger perishes for lack of prey. Don't be his prey. (laughs) Don't listen to him. We can kill the tiger. Surrender your old tapes. Turn them in. Paul wrote these words in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And then, of course, Paul wrote again about our thought life in Philippians 4, verse 8. Whatever is true, noble, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy, let your mind dwell on these things. Don't just let those evil thoughts run around in your mind and think it's okay because you're not acting on them or nobody knows about them. God knows, and it's hindering you. Trap those thoughts. Capture them. Ask the Holy Spirit to make you aware when you default to those old patterns of thinking and behavior. James 4, 7 says, So humble yourselves before God. 
Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Do all you can. Do your part. Pray for God to do what only he can do. He's a healer. Only you know your honest answer to Jesus' question. It's a lifelong question because, you know, this work that he's been doing called sanctification, it's usually a process and a journey, and it's not done until it's done. It's not this bucket list thing that you check off. Okay, I'm sanctified. It's ongoing newness from God. It's growth and change and transformation and life, and we don't have to settle for how we are right now. We can get unstuck and invite God to do the more that he wants to do in our lives. And so I hope you'll take maybe just a moment and maybe journal, maybe pray. How would you answer the question that Jesus is asking? Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well, really? Do you want to kill the tiger? I told you about that retreat that I was on that weekend and how as I was giving this very message, these crazy lesions, these hives popped up all over me while I was speaking. Well, I wanted to let you know what that was. (laughs) I went to urgent care after my speaking session was over and they gave me some steroids. They said that it was an allergic reaction because of this medication that I had been prescribed that I just stopped taking. My body didn't have time to build up the antibodies and I had this, this toxic reaction Don't stop taking what you need to be well. Maybe you were in the word of God on a regular basis. Get back in. Maybe you were coming to church and then COVID happened and you got out of the rhythm. Maybe you were surrounding yourself with people who could encourage you in your faith and now you've been isolating. Oh, come back, come back. Remember to take what you need to be well and you need to be in community and you need to be in the word of God. You were on a great medicine for something that you're fighting and you just stopped you were aware and open and surrendered at one time to jesus he had full access to you how about you just let him back in do you want to get well let's kill the tiger thanks so much for listening to the podcast if you are Loving it and part of our regular community. We're so glad that you're here. If you're brand new, welcome. Would you do me a favor? Would you leave a review just so that other people can find it? That's so important to us. We would love it if you'd follow, subscribe, like, share it, spread it around for anybody that you think it might encourage. Your Day Brighter is produced by Tracy Tiernan and John Lawhon for Brighter Media Group. And we want to thank our wonderful team, Todd Gaddy, Julie Gilligan, Caroline Burke, Aaron Branham, and Hannah Baldwin. Thank you so much, guys. You are the best. Remember, tell somebody your story today, or better yet, ask to hear theirs. Thanks for listening.